Welcome everybody to my podcast, Big Little Small Talk. I'm Megan O'Hara-Sullivan and I love to talk, but I also love to listen. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome listeners to Big Little Small Talk, the segment where we go out and talk to someone interesting in the community and there's no one more interesting than your local publican. So our local pub here in Greenmount reopened in 2008, the year that my husband and I moved to Greenmount. And it's had a few things, um, lives over the years, but at the moment we're lucky enough to have fantastic publicans by the name of Brendan and Fiona. And I've got Brendan here as my guest on Big Little Small Talk today. So welcome, Brendan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, now this is a really, really interesting story, the Greenmount Hotel, um, and we'll talk about it in a little while, but what I do want to talk about is your childhood. So you grew up living at the Strand. I did, yep. My father was the uh, manager at the Strand from 1971 onwards, the year I was born. So basically that was our second home. And where did you live? Did You you didn't live on the premises? No, no, no. We lived in Mount Lofty, but we um, spent most of our time at the Strand. So tell me about being a child of the cinema. How does, you know... Well, it was, it was fantastic, really. You, you embraced with the silver screen and, and all the actors, and you, you grow up with a, a great love for the um, craft and, and movies in general. Right. So would you spend all of your afternoons after school and all the weekends, and did you have jobs as kids? Uh, yeah, no, Mum and Dad were pretty strict on us, so we'd go to Grandma's and that right. whilst they were working when we were younger, but as we got older, we got jobs at the cinema and uh, worked there tearing tickets and then I became a projectionist there. Do you do a, is that a trade to become a projectionist? It, it was a trade um, prior to my time. Mm-hmm. So my father, John, he did an apprenticeship, but um, it evolved out of that into something less, um, I wouldn't say less skilled, but I'd say less, less, uh, less strict as far as getting into the industry. It, just, it became a job where you had to know someone to get into the industry. <laughs> mm. So what, um, what are your memories of sort of the, the great films of that era? Well, lots of memories actually. I, mean, I remember being involved with the radio stations and doing giveaways and people on stage and, and um, cinemas were a completely different experience back then. When the Strand was 550 seats uh, in one screen and I think the biggest movie we ever had there was Crocodile Dundee that filled up the cinema for oh, a good 10 months and played for 12 months, the one movie. So, What was your favourite movie as a kid? Well, that's a good question, actually. Um, there's, there's so many because you grew up there, so you just had a love for all, all types of movies. Yeah. But um, I'd have to say potentially Jaws at the time. Yes. It was groundbreaking, wasn't it? Yeah. Really, yeah. The um, the jobs that you had as kids, what what were some of the things that you had to do? You had to tear the tickets. Do you we had have to, to tear work, the um... tickets. We had to um, show people to their seats using torch and so forth when we were, when we were little kids. And then as I got older, I was trained as projectionist and went upstairs and did that. So, what was the time period that your family was there again? It was from seventy one. Nineteen seventy one through to. Um, well, it became five, uh, the new five screen format that it is now, uh, in about, oh, I'm going to say in about 94, 
and I worked there as a projectionist from then and then moved down to the Gold Coast and worked at the Gold Coast Cinema as, as a projectionist. Okay, so that was, yeah, it was what you were... So Dad was career. there until he retired, yeah. Okay. So if someone came into the Strand Theatre and asked for a $20 pack of matches in the 70s, what did that mean? <laughs> well, it was actually the hotel next door. So the Crown Hotel next door, they would have um, $20 box of matches and you would get a key to a room, which those rooms are actually above the Strand Cinema, so... And um, you would potentially have a lady of the night there. Right. So that's what. Um, so did you ever? Oh well, they didn't come into the. No, the I was strand. a little bit young. That's, that's I was a little um, bit young for. <laughs> <though. laughs> I'm not asking you whether you had a lady. Of the night, <laughs> so, um, so that was quite. You think that that was true? That that's a. I do believe it is true. Yeah, yeah. Dad told me it was true. So Dad also played in um, the band Johnny King and the Kingman, which would play at the Crown fairly often as a cabaret band. And um, the, the family that owned the Strand and still owns the building today, which is the Suris family, they own the Crown Hotel and what became Five Star, but I do believe it was the Chronicle Arcade next to that. Uh, so they own the whole corner there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so speaking of the Crown Hotel, so I do believe that um, Emma Miller, who is largely um, known as the mother of the Labor Party, died in the Crown Hotel and does she frequent cinema number two at the Strand Hotel? I have been told that the cinemas are haunted and when I was a kid and I got to do relief management for Dad on a Monday night and when I say kid I think I was 17 by then I'd have to lock up at night and it was quite an eerie place. Was that? Yeah. Did you see the ghost of Emma Miller? No, I've never seen a you ghost don't, yet. You no. didn't see Not that. yet. <laughs> Not yet. There's plenty of time. Plenty of time. They do that. tell me that the pub here is haunted as well, but I'm usually fairly tired by the time I go to bed, so I haven't encountered that one either. Well, I want to. I'll, I'll write that down because I do want to hear about the, the the ghost of the Green Mount. But just staying with the um, with the cinema for a little bit, um, I was reading somewhere that. The Strand um, was named the Strand because the building had ST. Do you know anything about that? No, no, I don't know that one. <laughs> ST. Well, apparently the building had ST on it, but nobody knew what the ST stands oh, for, okay. so that's why they called it the Strand Theatre. Oh, right. No, I'm not sure there about that I'm one. I'd have to ask Chris Suris about that. Yeah, but... well, that's true. Yeah. So there was, back in the day, there was two major cinemas, the Strand and the Coronet. The Coronet, yes. Whereabouts was the Coronet? Coronet was where the Toowoomba Sports Club is now. Uh, so. And was there a major competition between you? Um, a little bit, but we were friendly, friendly rivalry, I think. It was, it was, it was, we were all friends with everybody that run both lots of cinemas or yeah. obviously the coronet people uh-huh. so but there was a little bit of um controversy when the um i would say that film rights to certain movies and were getting put into one cinema and not the other and yeah mm. it was, the cinema industry overall in, in that era was fairly corrupt and uh-huh. um vicious business i think um probably if you're allowed to say this, but Village Road, Village at the time, I think back in the in the late 90s, was on four corners as Australia's most corrupt company. So, and that was all to do with movies getting preference at one cinema to another. Mm. So the private cinemas struggled to get product. Do you ever go to the cinema now? 
I haven't been for a while because I never get to go away from the pub, but I, I am dying to go see the new Elvis uh, movie because a friend of mine's in it, Renee, so... It's, uh, Did you ever have any aspirations of going into the film industry yourself? Not really, no, not in anything other than as a projectionist in cinema, to run mm-hmm. cinemas, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do we go then from the cinema to the pub? But just before I go off the cinema, I remember that there used to be a pinball parlour next to the Strand Theatre in the day. Yep. How much time did you spend in there? Well, a fair bit, because my dad used to run that as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> Dad managed the whole corner, so the Crown Hotel, the Strand and Five Star. So as kids, we had the keys to all the Space Invaders and all the machines that first came out, and yeah, we'd spend a lot of time in there. Oh, wow. So who else is in the family besides you? Uh, myself and my sister, Melinda. Mm-hmm. She's uh, three years younger than me. Uh-huh. Has she gone into a world of... No, no, no. She, she sort of run a separate show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. So then how do we go from being um, a projectionist at the Strand? You moved down the Gold Coast. Yep. So projectionist was a very high-paid job at the time. Projectionist earned probably about 30% more than a cinema manager. And you'd have loadings for each screen. If you worked in an eight cinema complex, as they, as they started to grow, you'd have an 80% loading on your wage. And it was, for, for back in that period of time, it was extremely well-paid well paid position. Um, at that particular point in time, the unions decided to change things a little bit and gave the other 49 staff in the cinemas a dollar pay rise to vote for the projectionist wages to be dropped. So it went from you know, 80, 90, $100,000 a year job to a $34,000 a year job overnight. So at that point I resigned. From the family company? On principle, yeah. Or from down the Gold Coast? Yeah, I was working at that time for uh, another big similar company, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what happened then? What did you decide to do? Uh, went into the steel industry as a boilermaker. And did that for many years and recently com- completed a, um, a, a Bachelor of Communication at USQ. Okay, so tell me about going to university as an, I won't say older person, um, no, no, as that's a mature, fair, age, fair <laughs> mature age student. Were you the first in your family to go to university? I have the uh, first in my immediate family, yep. yep. So tell yeah. me about that, tell me about the experience of going to university. I found it thoroughly enjoyable and most lecturers of my age so I made some friendships there and it's good I'm still friends with um, uh, two or three professors at the university I speak to them on a regular basis and they've been a wealth of um, help and knowledge uh, going into a marketing career. What, um, what was your intention like had you at this stage what sort of work were you doing that you thought that you needed to have a marketing degree? I, my intention really wasn't to have a marketing degree, it was to help out my son and go to university with him. So I decided to um, leave my job in Brisbane and move to Toowoomba and go to USQ and be a poor uni student for a while with him. What was your son studying? He was studying the same, the same degree, so uh, both of us were in a Bachelor of Communication. And how did he go? How was his results? You got all the HDs and he got all the he you know, found four, fours, He found he? that university wasn't for him after three months, so I was stuck at university by myself. 
promoted giveaways to raise funds for the athletes and Shane Webke was our first MC and he said he, he had a great affinity of what we were doing because the amount of money when he first got the chance to go to the state, whatever it may have been, it was $400, which was a huge amount of money back then for his family. And they mowed lawns and they did everything for it. So we worked out that without some financial assistance, some of the best in every sport don't get there, which is you know, it's just a fact of, of life. If, if you've got a bunch of money and your family comes from money and you've got a decent talent, you, you might get to the top, but you can have all the talent in the world and no money and your parents can't pay for you to go overseas. So we worked out a, a, a business model, myself and Darren, whereby we would sell uh, merchandise, T-shirts and the likes of things, and people who bought that merchandise went into the draw to win a $100,000 muscle car, which we restored at the time. You owned a, a muscle car? No, we bought a wreck and restored it, so we employed staff and to, it was a, a, the entire business model focused around it and um, with the profits from that we'd sponsor athletes so at the time I think we got a maximum of five athletes we sponsored so at, at once which is great we had local people Brandon Spain um, a young boxer from Caboolture we have a world's fastest woman Natisha Dingle um, she's in the speed skydiving going to Arizona in about five weeks I think to to uh, cement her world record um, and Joel Kelso uh, yeah we, we just worked out a business model that would pay for us to fund what their parents couldn't how did you work out who you were going to sponsor um, basically those who needed it but had talent as well so we, you know go and watch people and we had a lot of applications we also sponsored Corey Anderson who went to the Olympics for the Paralympics for Javelin we, we, you know when, the, when you can see that talent like mum and dad are struggling to, and working very, very, very hard to to pay those bills. You know, that sort of fitted the bill for us. Well, Sports Darling Downs, which you'd be familiar with, yep. um, their breakfasts um, are a, a time where they award the money, and you can see these families. You know, they just the n number of events that these kids are going to and um, and yeah, the the expense that these parents and I did interview Sinead Shazelka uh, a little while ago. She's the girl who plays um, for the Broncos um, and has played State of Origin and um, State <laughs> State of Origin, but also the um, the other football game. Shanae, I'm sorry, I can't remember. <laughs> but anyway, you know, she talked about the um, you know just the hours of going to Brisbane four times a week yep. for training and all of that sort of thing. So you you got enough money to um, to sponsor these through this initiative. Well, you we didn't tell me what the get chopped means. It's a muscle car term. So it's, it's a hot rod term, chopping the roofs on cars and and uh, so forth. But the, the interesting thing was that it has a lot of different connotations for a lot of different markets. So it, it, it worked across, you know, people adapt the saying to whatever they want really and we, we've sort of pushed it in that way. Did you run that past Professor Hickey? Um, what do you think of the term get well, chopped, actually, sir? Actually, uh, Professor Hickey is... An extraordinary gentleman and he's uh, been encouraging me almost to the point of pinning me down to do a masters on get chopped so 
Excellent. I mean, you I know all about I don't that, think I'll ever have time for that. <laughs> so at that stage, we've just got a brand. We've just got the Sketchop yep. brand. Yep. What happened after that? Um, we ended up doing four giveaways. So we gave away uh, $200,000 in cash and $200,000 vehicles. And that market became a little bit saturated. Um, it was about 11. We were the first company in Australia to run this business model and now there's probably about 11 and as we realised that we pulled out of it but we'd built a, a very large audience on social media so the idea was then to work out what to do with that audience or what, how to, how to um, still give benefit to that audience and it's in the car enthusiast market and they love venues to go to. They love to take their cars out for a cruise and they like to sit at a pub and have a pub feed and look at their cars and talk cars. You had not had any sort of venue at all. You're still no. working as the marketing guy for this company yep. and doing this other on the side. When did you first dip your toe into the hospitality industry? Um, about 12 months ago, we opened a diner in Woodford um, and myself, Darren and Fiona got the diner up off the ground and pr had ended up getting proof of concept that what we were looking at was going to work with the car market and and then we were lucky enough to have be involved with beautiful people like Darren who decided to help myself and Fiona get a venue. Right, so you've still got the one in Woodford as well? Uh, the, one, the one in Woodford at the moment is in the redevelopment stage. We're looking at stage two of it. It's a huge block and mm -hmm. we sort of closed it at the moment. COVID hit it very hard. Um, the entire town in Woodford got COVID and all the staff and all the rest of it and then everyone was too scared to go out. And Yeah, we, we burnt quite a bit of cash there. But <laughs> right. So in the middle of all of this, COVID and all the rest, you decide to buy the Green Mount Hotel. What Correct. was involved in um, trying to find the right pub and what what were you looking for exactly? Um, uh, it had to be a venue that was approximately 20 minutes drive from a, a reasonable sized city, which turns out to be Toowoomba, which is where we grew up, so it was, that was even handy, but we looked at pubs all around Queensland at the time. Um, about 20 minutes drive, nice roads, nice community, and um, a welcoming community, which Greenmount turned out to be. And um, was it a very complicated process trying to, to buy the pub or looking at different places? Um, fairly time-consuming and obviously all, all of the, um, the government side of stuff is fairly, is fairly laborious. It's, um, it's, it's fairly detailed and takes probably quite a few months to get a liquor licence organised, but um, other than that we just went and looked at pubs basically and had beers there so it was good. Well we've lived here as I say since 2008 and I have never seen this pub quite as busy as it has been since you and Fiona have taken over. What do you sort of, what do you do you think? It's the marketing, well, firstly, the social media presence. Yeah firstly thank you for that. <laughs> we, we, we work about 18 hours a day but um, it, it is the social media presence and it's also um, the respect that we've developed within the car enthusiast community. And they are a very benevolent community and they've come on board to support us, which is fantastic. Mm. But you have to have good food and good service. We probably have the best chef in the district, oh, without a doubt. There's no 
no two ways about that. We've got a young local chef here, and this is his first time out on his own, and basically giving him charge of the kitchen. So he's very creative and, and young and enthusiastic and uh, very proud of what he turns out of the kitchen. So yeah, yeah. yeah. big um, big palmies. What's what's meals, his signature dish? Do you think? He's, he's got quite a few, and he's he's um, every week he's coming up with something new. But um, he's got his mega palmies and he's got his giant burgers and yeah, his steaks are just absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, you know, we're very lucky there. He walked in here a couple of weeks after we purchased the place and asked if there was any jobs going for a chef. So, yeah, meant to be, by the sounds absolutely, of it. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, isn't that a great story? So we're, we're trying to get um, car enthusiasts and um, any sort of... People will drive to a country pub to go to a meal, won't they, if they know that the food's good and that's it's going to be friendly. What about music? Are you sort of... We do have a lot of... We've got a local artist here, Doug Gale, who... Um, plays here quite often and today we had another uh, group from Mount Clifton Way so the, the, the Tilbury Green entertainers. <laughs> Great yeah and um, so, a good crowd. Brilliant crowd yeah, I think yeah. um, we sort of jokingly called a, a five-day test match from Wednesday through to Sunday myself and Fiona because once we get up Wednesday morning we probably have about four hours sleep a night until Sunday. Well, so. you did mention that, and I wanted to ask you, you said that you're working about 18 hours a day. How yeah. do you sustain the pace, though, Brendan? Well, we try and um, keep the pub as quiet as possible on Mondays and Tuesdays. Mm. That's uh, what we've worked I mean, out. Tuesday as the afternoon only... at 2 o'clock, is there anybody in the pub? Yeah, yeah, yeah there's, there's someone here uh, pretty well from opening every day, so... Drinking, a, I mean, or I, I don't mean working. I mean, what's how many people would be around, or you just don't know if you're not open? Yeah, well, no, we, we open at 12 on Mondays and 10 the rest of the week, and we'll have someone here having a beer from opening every day. So. Mm. I'll just remind the listeners that they're on 4DDB, and they're with me, Megan O'Hara-Sullivan, and we're in our segment called Big Little Small Talk, and we're talking to our local publican, Brendan, and he's telling me about how furiously hard he works. Do you know much of the history of the Greenmount Hotel? We've been learning a little bit, but it's very... Um, uh, conflicting. Everyone's got their own uh, take on it and what years happened and so forth. But uh, Mick Morgan, who lives across the road from us, he's he's um, uh, crowned as unofficially the Greenmount Mayor. He's been here forever and he's uh, a wealth of information. And we had quite an interesting story last night because his daughter, Tracy, is married to a gentleman by the name of Chris Hattie. And Chris Hattie's father had the pub from 1988 to 1990. And Chris would sneak out of his room upstairs and toddle across over to, um, to Mick Morgan's house to uh, court his daughter, I suppose, would be the way, the way that they would say it back then. In polite parlance, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I was under the impression that the pub had been moved here. Is that... I do believe so. I, I'm not sure on this one. I, I think the original one burnt down. Then there was a pub over near the council chambers that they moved up to, which is now the Wheat Chief. But, yeah, I, I get conflicting ones on that. I can't really get a... I'm sure there'll be some listeners out there listening to you now, Brendan, um, and they'll probably be able to 
get in touch with you here at the Greenmount Hotel and tell us some of the history. Hey, yeah. We'd appreciate that. We, yeah. we, we, like I say, we get we, a lot of conflicting different stories. So Right, yeah. My brother-in-law, who's an architect, said that the um, verandas out there wouldn't have been original, that it, it's, no. not, um, it's no. not part of the original. It didn't building. have a veranda on it and it didn't have, um, obviously, the ramp, wheelchair ramp. That's the new, new thing these days. Um, it was quite a different. I've got some pictures on the wall there of how it looked beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it appears to have been restumped and, and um, a lot of work done. I do believe the gentleman that we purchased the, the pub off, Graham McGrath, did quite a lot of work about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So. Right. And let's just go back to talking about the brand Get Chopped. So it's not just um, a venue, it's, are you making films as well? Oh, we've, now we've done a couple of film clips and things like that for local bands, and so obviously as part of my degree, I did editing and and um, cinematography. So I've used that to um, make film clips and, and the likes to to branch in and, and further promote our brand. Mm-hmm. Is it clothing as well? I know it's got. That's a sort correct. Of a, yeah. So um, we had a full we had a full merchandise range where we were selling t-shirts, hats, wallets, belts. You name it, really. We've, we've, mm-hmm. we but had, retro women's clothes as well? Uh, no, more active wear for women's we had. Mm-hmm. So basically we set up, a, we started off with one t-shirt, ended up with approximately 25 lines of, of uh, merchandise that we would sell online and people who purchased our merchandise and supported our, us and our athletes would go into the draw to win one of our cars. Wow. Are you still doing the, the clothing range? No, no. no. We've, so we've got our local clothing, souvenir clothing available here. Uh-huh. But we've, we've moved A bucket out. hat or two? Yeah, no, we've got, <laughs> we've got a few hats, caps, beanies and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> so you and Fiona are um, in this together. And you mentioned earlier about your son going to university. Yep. And you have... Um, a daughter too? I do. Yeah, yeah. I have a, a, I've got a couple of daughters actually. A, my eldest daughter works for the Heritage Bank and uh, my youngest daughter who's in Brisbane, uh, she has cerebral palsy. Okay, and um, I've seen your daughter, what's her name again? Trinity. Trinity, here in the pub and she's yep. in a wheelchair. Yep. You live upstairs. Yep. How does that work? Carrier. You carry her <laughs> and the chair? Uh, yeah, now I've got a spare chair up there for her. So basically, the motorised wheelchairs they weigh somewhere in the vicinity of a uh, hundred and something kilograms, so they're a little bit heavy to be carting around. So we've got one carried upstairs, and we leave one downstairs. Wow. Uh, um, how's that journey been with um, Trinity and her cerebral palsy? Oh, extremely challenging, but extremely uh, educating and beneficial as well. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, you, in don't, way. You, yeah. you don't whinge much after after that one. Yeah. Um, she doesn't whinge, so I've got no right to whinge. It doesn't really matter what, what it's about. Yeah. How How old is Trinity? She's twelve. She's twelve. And some of the, I mean, I'm married to someone who has cerebral palsy, and um, he talks about. He doesn't talk about it very often, but you know, I know that um, you know the, the teasing and the sort of all of that mm. as a child and as a parent. I can't imagine going through that? Um. No, that's that's definitely heartbreaking. Trindy's in a wheelchair, she's uh, non-verbal or, or partially non-verbal. I can understand 
you know, a fair bit of what she says, but nobody else really can. So she won't talk in front of people because she's self-conscious about it. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it, is, it is heartbreaking. But in, in recent times, we've seen a great shift in, I guess, tolerance and how people, inclusiveness and, and how people view other people, which, is, which has been great. Yeah, for sure. I was at the launch of the um, Business Disability Awards during the week and the woman, Reggie Bird, who um, has won Big Brother twice, she won it in 2003 and then won it in 2022, um, and she has retinitis pigmentosa, so she's blind. And mm. there was the talk of, you know, it's all very well um, that um, that I won this, and you know, but I need a job. She said, I need um, to have the dignity of work. You know, yes, she needs yep. so, you know, and and we, there was a lot of talk about um, inclusivity and, and and diversity in a workplace and um, how people need to sort of think about employing someone and we you know they don't like to say disability but you know, <laughs> um, so do you um what what's the future hold for trinity do you think oh i think she's got a fairly broad future she's very tenacious and she's got a great personality and she her mother is a great advocate for disability she ensures that trinity gets everything that she should be entitled to and between us we've got a great network of people i've met a um young lady down the Gold Coast, her name's Marlena. She happens to be a journalist who has cerebral palsy and she has um, probably fairly more severe than Trinity does, to be honest. Trinity's, like I say, she's in a wheelchair, non-verbal. This lady has um, more, more challenges than Trinity. And after I met her, I've learned so much. She's interviewed everyone from the Dalai Lama to the Pope. To and she travels the world. She's at rock shows and front row, and she's actually taken quite a few of the companies to court for not inclusive, not including her in the front row of concerts and so forth, and being thrown out by security for wheelchairs not safe here. Yeah. And um, she's taken a lot of that. She's the first person in the world to base jump with CP and. She's an extraordinary lady that I that I met at a um, at a, um, a TED talk with um, Steve Wozniak from Apple, and we've remained friends. And she's just fantastic. She's actually got the beach mats, wheelchair beach mats down there now, down the Gold Coast. And what does um, that mean? What? She runs her own business. Well, there's a roll-out beach mat, so wheelchairs can go right down to the water. Um, she started that business. She's got a jumping castle business. She's a journalist travels the world and yeah you can um, something exciting and learn a lot from someone like that and, and and understand how someone with a disability can operate in today's society yeah. and not just operate but be prosperous yes very yeah, prosperous have, have a, a she's big, just purchased her own life. unit in a high-rise down the coast and yeah spectacular mm -hmm. does trinity see her as a bit of a role model do you think trinity's a little bit um Still a little bit stubborn at twelve, she she doesn't like to be classed as disabled, um, which is which is fine. She's a, she's her own person. She demands to be able to do what all the other kids do, and she goes to a mainstream school. And um, but yeah, she mm. she's still uh, she doesn't like to be labelled. I, I suppose would be the way to put it. I like the 
the sound of Trinity. I like her a lot. She's she's not too bad. Sometimes <laughs> she can be a little bit annoying, but she's pretty good. <laughs> I like your honesty, Brendan. <laughs> Tell me about how you and Fiona met. Oh, well, we met through mutual friends and and um, went in on a date together and sort of been stuck with each other ever since. How long ago was that? Uh, six and a half years now. And she's a hard worker, obviously, doesn't she's, mind a bit of hard work. She's come from Teacher's Aid, was her previous job, so she's done that for uh, 16 years before coming here to the pub. Yeah. Has mm. she seen the ghost of the Green Mount Hotel? I think she's fairly well too tired as well. As I said. <laughs> We've had so many people tell us, and I've actually been contacted by a Toowoomba company who's paranormal activity investigators or whatever whatever they might be. They've sent me an email. and I'm actually quite curious about it because I wouldn't mind seeing what sort of equipment they have. And <laughs> a Ouija board? And yeah, well, whatever I, I don't else, know, yeah. whatever, they, whatever yeah. they came up with. But yeah, usually by the time we go to bed, it's two or three in the morning and... Um, and just basically crawl up the stairs and roll in the bed. <laughs> Have you heard who the who the ghost is? Yeah. Um, there's a couple of conflicting ones. Apparently, this young girl killed herself upstairs at some point. So no, no. it's fairly tragic, but I don't know the. Yeah. yeah. Those people go to the Bull's Head Inn. I know those paranormal people, and they have the. I think it's like a radio signal thing that... Well, that's what I was interested to look at, yeah. what they brought out. Yeah. <laughs> but I haven't had a chance to reply to their email, okay, actually. Okay, right. So they, uh, well, we'll keep you posted then. Yeah. yeah. Um, Brendan, before I let you go, um, I usually ask people a couple of questions um, which are sort of a little bit off-topic or on-topic. But um, can I ask you, what was the last thing that made you laugh out loud? I believe it would have been someone on the phone here at the pub that um, couldn't believe that a larger medium pizza had the same amount of slices. Uh, say, say that again. Someone uh, on the phone said... Wanted to um, know how many slices were in a large pizza and how many were in a medium. And when I explained that they were the same amount of slices, I was told that they can't be true because one's larger and one's medium. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I did laugh about that one. Yeah, well, I'm sure you would see a lot of characters at the pub. We do. Uh, yeah. There's some very beautiful people in this community and, and, and some quite funny ones as well. Funny, yeah. And, I mean, do you find that you're sometimes um, psychologist and counsellor and... Um, I, yeah. I find that I take other people's problems on board far more than I should. Um, and yeah, it's 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 fairly taxing some days. I'm yes. fairly taxing. Yeah. Um, when you when you um, come to like someone and they're struggling, with whatever it may be, uh, I find I take that on board a little bit more than I should. Yeah. The next degree might be a counselling degree or a social work degree. Do you think? Don't mention that to Andrew Hickey. He's, <laughs> he he's still, ch yes. still chasing me on another one. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm interested to hear about your masters. You'll be, you'll be Doctor Doctor Brendan soon. Oh, Doctor yeah, no. I don't think there'll ever be a time for that. <laughs> uh, well, you never say never. No. All right. So, what about um, another question? Um, going back to your childhood. Were you obsessed with anything as a child that would've, you can remember? Would have been the cinema. The cinema. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Were, you, were you sort of, um, 
you know, you had your favourite stars and... Um... Uh, quite, quite a few of them as kids, even John Travolta and the likes of that, you know, they were fairly popular with Grease when it came out when I was a kid and... Saturday Night Fever. Uh, yeah, Saturday Night Fever. Were you allowed Fever. to see that? I was allowed to see mm-hmm. it. I got to see a fair few of them. I probably should have been allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> it's working, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yes, it's, it's all an education, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we can say that. Now, before we, um, before we wrap up, I'll just remind the listeners that they're on 4DDB, 102.7 FM, and we're in our segment... Big Little Small Talk, and we're talking to the publican from the Greenmount Hotel, and his name is Brendan, and his lovely partner, Fiona. All right. I think you have got a few controversial opinions, Brendan, in the time that I've known you, but what would you say would be your most controversial opinion? Um, potentially, uh, what, I, what I have learned through my marketing degree is never to talk about controversial things <laughs> when possible, but I would have to say it would be youth justice. I um, am a firm believer that unless someone's committed a capital crime as a youth, as in 18, there should be a mandatory short sentence, enough for them to go to jail and have a um, respectful fear of jail, not long enough for them to get there and become part of the jail family. So uh, I know everyone screams that youth crime is out of control at the moment, which it is, I, I fully agree that it is, but to put these kids in prison is not the answer, in my opinion. So I'm not sure that I understand you're saying they should go to prison or they not shouldn't go I to prison? I think if they go to prison, it should be a, a mandatory eight months, six months for their first offence. Right. It shouldn't, they shouldn't, it shouldn't be able to give an 18-year-old five years jail or, or two years jail. Mm. That, that they then become a part of the system, which is almost impossible to break and that life has been destroyed which could have been saved. Mm-hmm. Have you found that if you've brought that up somewhere that it, you do uh, meet with resistance, that it is a controversial opinion? Oh, it depends on your circle, of course, but I think um, a lot of people just want to see, you know, social media is a, a haven for it. Lock them up, lock them up, lock them up. And, and, but they don't understand what that's doing to that life. Institutionalising that person. you got to look at the root cause, not... Not, you know, locking people up isn't a solution. Like, look at America, like, it's not, our jails are full. These kids, once they spend two, even two years in jail, they're definitely going back. Mm. They definitely become comfortable with the system Mm. and probably learn a fair bit in there to do other crimes. Yeah, the recidivism is is very high for people that have been in jail. I think um, Andrew Hickey Mm -hmm. was working on a um, a bike restoration course Fantastic at one stage, project, yeah, yeah. Um, with the high schools um, having that, that meaningful something to do, and yeah, a fantastic project. And Andrew's is absolutely a superstar oh, in well, my well, eyes he, for the work he, he, he does. I've been trying to get him out here to play because oh, yes. he's um, he's also a, a brilliant guitarist and, and musician, so. I've been trying to get him out here, but he's, he's dodging me at the moment. No, okay, no. this is a public call for Andrew Hickey to be coming out to the Green Hotel. He's got two big fans here. No, I think, I think the poor bug is as busy as, as, <laughs> as I am. So. Yeah. All right, well, talking about music and songs, what's the song that you can't stay off the dance floor if it comes on the jukebox? Oh, well, that's a tough question. I think anything from in excess, I guess, and it probably depends on the um, time of the evening. 
many have been involved? That's that correct. correct. Yeah, yeah, usually, yeah. So anything from in excess? That's your era. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I sort of grew up in the eighties, eighties music, and love love uh, in excess and the story behind it and. Yeah. yeah, not the end part. No, no, no it was quite a sad day. Yes, yeah. It was um, a really, really interesting. Had such an interesting childhood, Michael Hutchins. Um, went, grew up, spent a long time in Hong Kong. I think his mother lived over yeah. there. And his, his twin brother, Rhett. Um, yep. Yeah, very... Uh, not twin brother, but his brother. Yeah, yep. yeah, very interesting. So just um, before I let you go, we're, um, we were talking before about the Get Chopped brand. Is it events as well? When you said about yes. in excess, I started to think about music festivals and being up at Noosa um, for those music festivals, the early music festivals, yeah. And we've run quite a few um, large events, actually, you know, ranging from 1,000 to 5,000 people. Um, and at the moment, we're planning an event here for Greenmount, which is the um, um, Greenmount Billy Card Challenge. So we've... Um, Formed an incorporation. We're just waiting on the um, the red tape bit, uh, which is get chopped community events, and we will present that in Greenmount and closing off the streets and creating a huge community event that will be a yearly yearly event. We've um, brought in uh, Patricia Chant, who's the president of the Leeburn Sprint. She's the president now of uh, Get Chopped Community Events Incorporated. And we formed a committee with uh, local residents and uh, with Trisha in charge of us all because she's she's the person for the job. How brilliant. So we're going to have a billy cart race yep. and raise money for... The local school and the community hall here. Good so year. we're feeling excited about it. We, we feel like it's taking forever at the moment because we're waiting on our incorporation and we can't do the insurance and the street closures and everything until that is finalised but we've got quite a bit of time it's going to be on the first Saturday of every May so we've still got plenty of time and um, if we do miss out on this round of community grants from the council we've got quite a few big sponsors so we'll be right. Well you've heard it here first folks it's the what's it called? Billy Cart uh, Challenge? Green Mount Billy Cart Challenge so there'll be categories that involve everyone from the smallest kids up to the, um, the uh, biggest kids <laughs> as in as in the adults we've got quite a huge support from the uh, drag racing community we've got um, five or six big builders in that that are already planning their carts and um, local businesses like Salvi's Towing and Excel Paint and Panel are all on board and, and uh, yeah what can a billy cart have or not have I can, I'm presuming okay, it can't so have a motor it can't have a motor there's a weight limit, which I believe I have to read back through the rules. I've been too busy doing the other stuff. But I believe it's an 80 kilo, eighty kilogram weight limit without the driver. Um, there is dimensions. There's quite a lot involved. So we, we plan to um, have prizes and everything from right from the kids through, building stuff at home with their dad to the, these guys in the drag racing community who are, sort of have a bigger budget. <laughs> Well, Brennan, I reckon if anyone's going to do the Green Mount Billy Cart Challenge, it's going to be you, if you're true to form of the other things that I've seen you do. So all the best with that. Get building, get your, your um, 
spare wheels from the golf cart and <laughs> and yeah. a box. Thank and, you, thank uh, you very yeah. much. No, we'll, we'll get it across the line. There's still a, 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 an extremely large amount of work to be done in the next, uh, what it might be, 10 months. Mm. Um, but we're all up to the task. We have the, the best person on the job is Trisha Chan as our, as our the head of our incorporation. So. She um, hands us out jobs on a regular regular basis. And Is there a job for the person with the chequered flag? Absolutely. Yeah. Can I take that job? I reckon all you right, can. All right. All right. That's good. <laughs> I want to be the mayor of Greenmount. <laughs> you'll have to you'll have to fight you'll have to fight Mick Morgan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right. Final question. Who is your favourite royal? I would have to say uh, Princess Diana. Diana. Yeah. Please explain. Um, she's done amazing work for uh, a lot of different causes, many more, more than you could count. She also was a victim of what we call the royal family. The, um, um, the what are they called? The uh, machine? The business or the, or the business, business yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever it may be. Mm. So yeah, no, I think I yeah, got great empathy for what she may have went through and the work that she's done in the community in general. Mm, the firm. The, the firm is yeah. the firm, yes. So, yeah. Princess Diana. We don't have a lot of time for the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's, I always say that it's very telling when people say who their favourite royal is because they always justify it because of their um, their own beliefs. And of I think um, I think that's a lovely story to hear you say that you you loved her work ethic and um, oh, yeah. and what she stood for. Yeah, she done a lot. She done a lot of good for a lot of people and and. Um, I suppose, in, in one sense, stood up to the, um, as you call it, the firm. The firm. The, the uh, machine that it is that seems to be able to protect their own and mm. do whatever they want with impunity. But you would find the marketing of the royal family quite interesting, I would imagine. I do. They make a few mistakes, but they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Oh, they they need a little advisor from the little old green <laughs> You might be going over and, they, 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 and giving them a hand. Do you think? I think they, I think they got their hands full. <laughs> I think when you say when I say they make a few mistakes, I think um, the workload would be extremely. Uh, you know, as far as damage control and crisis management goes, it's an extremely big task. Well, I think once they got rid of Fergie and the toe sucking, the damage control probably was ramped down. Oh, yeah. Perhaps, no. do you think? Well, yeah. I'm not sure. I think they've had a fair bit on since then. Though. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> yes, we're talking Andrew and the rest. All right. Yes. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for being my guest on Big Little Small Talk. It's really been wonderful to hear about your journey from uh, the Strand to get chopped and everything in between and um, it's been a real privilege to hear about your, your your life so far. So thank you. Thank you very much, Megan. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, let's go have a beer. Sounds good to me. <laughs> That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me on Big Little Small Talk. I hope you can make the time to join me next week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favourite podcast app.